I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's a new week. Crimson Corner. Welcome in, everyone. Hope you are all doing well out there. As always, I am your host and Utah Utes insider for KSL Sports, Michelle Bodkin. Now, I know all of you are anxious and excited for football to be back, and we're just under a week till kickoff against the Florida Gators in Rice-Eccles Stadium. What a time to be alive. However, the Utes have several other successful teams that are also prepping for seasons that will be here before we all know it. Last competitive season was easily the best in Utah athletics history, with eight teams earning partial or full shares of conference titles and going deep into postseason play, while one took home a national title. Pretty impressive stuff. The 2023-24 competitive season looks to have just as much promise, and one of the teams we're all going to be watching closely is Utah women's basketball. Please welcome in head coach Lynn Roberts. Lynn, how are you? How was your summer? I am great. Thanks for having me on, Michelle. The summer was good. It was, uh, it's hard to believe that it's August 23rd or whatever it is. Uh, it's crazy. It flew by. Um, and, but I was able to get some rest with my family a little bit, not much, but a little bit enough. (laughs) And, uh, we feel like we've got some good wind in our sails as we head into this upcoming season. Now, speaking of summer, um, how was the off season for your team watching the social media? It looked like all of you were busy with workouts, recruiting, um, and several camp inv- invites for specific individual players as well. Yeah, it was a great season, you know, or off season. I think the success that we had uh, kind of springboarded us into a new level of awareness and consciousness about our program on a national level, which is great. Uh, yeah, we did. We had, uh, you know, we had a team, compete at the three on three, uh, you know, nationals, uh, where it's kind of a, a scouting program for the three on three national team. Um, and so we had a team there and then, uh, Gianna Neepkins and Alyssa Peely were invited to be on the USA junior national team, which competed in Mexico. Uh, but they both were unable to make it just cause they were nursing some just kind of nagging injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're on the radar for Team USA, which is awesome, and, and they'll be involved down the, down the stretch, which is great. Uh, but you know, for us coaches, recruiting never ends. It used to be that the, it kind of there was peaks and valleys of uh, intensity, and if, I feel like we're all we're at a peak uh, twelve months a year. Um, that's just kind of the nature of the beast these days. And so you know, you're never really too far away from your phone or your computer or uh, the airport, and that's just kind of the way it is. And 
you know, as we've continued to climb and, and get to the next level of, um, you know, being a top 10 program, the recruiting has shifted too. And so, you know, we're recruiting against some, some blue blood programs that, that have always, you know, seemed to rake in those type of kids. And now we're in the mix, which is exciting, but it's competitive and uh, you know, but we're working our tails off and we want to be, we want to be here for the long haul. We want sustained excellence, uh, sustained championships. And so we're working all the time to, to achieve that. Now, last year, you notched your first piece of a conference title and made a deep run into the NCAA tournament all the way to the Sweet 16. Your loss in that tournament, of course, came to the eventual national champs, LSU. Now that you've had some time to decompress, talk about that incredible run and being able to give the program so many firsts along the way. Yeah, that uh, last year was special um, in that, you know, when when I took the job eight years ago, we averaged you know, the year before I got here, I think they averaged 570 fans and they were in 12th place in the Pac-12. And when I took the job, you know, my vision and my belief was that we could win a Pac-12 title and that we could uh, pack the Huntsman. And it's a process. It, it really is. And, you know, I can't tell you many people kind of theoretically patted me on the head and, you know, oh, that's cute that you think you can do that there. But I knew we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, Salt Lake City is an incredible town and they're passionate about the Utes and if we put a product on the floor that is worthy of of getting behind that they'll get behind you uh, but it takes time and you know the Pac-12 on the women's side is the best league or you know it will be for one more year and then <laughs> you know, sadly it'll it'll kind of dissipate but uh, it's the best league in women's basketball so to leapfrog teams and to climb to the top uh, takes takes time. And, you know, every year we made little jumps and we kind of had first quote unquote, like we want to do this for the first time. We want to do this in the first time. Uh, and so it was, you know, and I know you were there, Michelle, but it was incredibly validating that Stanford game. We beat them at home to clinch that pac 12, uh, to walk out of the tunnel and see 10,000 people there, uh, and a chance to win the conference championship and then to go on and do it. Um, it was incredibly validating in terms of the process uh, and, and achieving what we set out to achieve, but we weren't done. You know, we wanted to, to go farther in the NCAA tournament last year than we had done the previous year, which we did. We beat Princeton in the second round and made it sweet 16 and, and then lost a heartbreaker to LSU. Uh, I know most people have seen that game or, or at least heard about the ending. And, um, but I think, you know, what that did for our program and is it showed us how, you know, we're right there. Mm -hmm. We are right there. And it's a game of inches, the famous Any Given Sunday movie, Al Pacino's speech. It's a game of inches. And, uh, you know, I think for us, I think as much as we desperately wanted to win that game against LSU, sometimes think that's sports. It doesn't always work the way you want it to. It doesn't always work uh, in the perfect, you know, movie ending. And that's part of it. And sometimes the process to your to your question takes longer than you want it to. Mm -hmm. And so last year was a great stepping stone for us in terms of the process. And we've kind of stepped into this next realm, this higher realm of a program on the national scene. Um, And so now the job is to do something, another first, you know, Utah women's basketball has not made it to the final four. We want to do that. Um, We want to win the last PAC 12 women's basketball championship 
you know, this is, this is, we want to be the last line. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things we haven't done. And, and, but I think I look back at last season and it, it really did galvanize us in terms of our expectations and in terms of how the little things at the end uh, become massive and, and huge and focusing on how we can be at our best in March, doing the little things to make it farther. Now, the good news is you return kind of the core of that group that got you there in the first place. Gianna Neatkins, Jenna Johnson, Kennedy McQueen, Izzy Palmer, Alyssa Peely. And you also have a good chunk of the supporting cast returning as well. And Deja Young, Ines Vieira, and Lonnie White. How has that group improved and what have you worked on in the offseason to hopefully make an even, even deeper run this year? Yeah, it's it's quite a luxury to to not graduate or lose any starters on a team that won 27 games. Um, so our key was, you know, we lost a couple kids to the transfer portal, role players. They just wanted to play more, and they kind of knew the writing on the wall there that, you know, my role is probably going to be the same uh, or a little bit improved, but they want to start or whatever, and that's fine. That's that's part of the process, and that's part of what college athletics is now. Um, and so, you know, prioritizing at first the off season is making sure that we can recruit some depth and recruit some star power. Um, and I think we did that. We've, we signed some really good kids. Um, we've got two freshmen coming in that are, that are gonna, that are gonna help. So I think we're better. I think elite teams, championship teams have elite depth. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, it's not where the kid comes in and it's just to give Alyssa Peely a breather until Alyssa's ready to go back in, you know, it, not a stopgap, someone that can come in and add value and, and, and make a difference. And, and, you know, the teams that I've been a part of that have been excellent and national championship worthy, you've got elite depth, depth that can play so that one person doesn't have to play 35 minutes of a 40 minute game for us to have a chance to beat a great team. And so I think that's what we've done. Um, to be honest with you, I have had to pull back these guys a little bit this, this summer. Um, it's almost, you know, pulling the reins on a racehorse. Like you got to pace yourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, their, their work ethic is at, an, at another level. And I thought it was as high as it could be last year. So they are uh, motivated. And, you know, for me as a coach, it's, it's a marathon. And so holding them back, making sure that we're not just so outcome driven that we lose sight on the joy and the fun and the challenges of the process. So uh, it's been a great off season. I, I'm excited about our group, who we've added um, and certainly who we have coming back. And you've kind of touched on it a little bit, two new freshmen. Um, obviously the, the core of this group is going to be familiar faces for people, but you also brought in some new faces too. talk about some of those athletes you have brought in and, and what are they doing to kind of strengthen your roster? You mentioned adding depth, but like, what, what are some things that these girls do really well? Well, the one thing that I think is going to be unique is that we, we have a kid, uh, we got a kid from Belgium by way of Africa. She had immigrated to Belgium, but she's six, eight Nene Sao. Uh, and she's going to be a factor. And, you know, being six, eight and, you know, some coaches say, oh yeah, she's six, eight, but she's really like six, five mm -hmm. is six, eight and has a great frame, um, you know, a very athletic, strong build. Um, and she's going to be a variable. And so, uh, 
you know, she's learning and, and getting better and all those things, but man, she's a sponge and wants to get better, but she goes in the game. The game is going to change just because, you, you know, she'll block your shot into the fifth row. If you come anywhere near her, um, she can catch and finish anything thrown up high. It's kind of like on the men's side, having a seven, four guy. Yeah. You know? Um, so yes, some development there's some, she's a little raw, but, but, uh, she's going to be a factor. And then we got, uh, Maddie Wilkie, she was University of Wisconsin's leading scorer last year, just a freshman. Um, so she'll be a sophomore for us. She can shoot the three. She is a prototypical guard for us. Um, but and she can play the point guard, the two or the three. Uh, and that's legitimate depth. Like she is, she would start for for most, if you know, most programs in the country. Uh, and she may start for us, you know, we'll see. Um, she's gonna compete for a starting spot, which is exciting. Uh, and then we got um, Sam Crisp, six three six four transfer from Boston, um, and and you know we lost a couple of our depth post depth kids, and so she'll come in and and she looks really good, and she's going to be ready to contribute right away. And then, like I said, we have two freshmen, um, and then to add in with all of our returners and our key players, so you know, it's going to be competitive. The downside of all that depth is everybody wants to play, mm -hmm. right? And everybody's probably good enough to play. So how does that shake out? Uh, and that's my job. And that's, that's, uh, that'll be a interesting thing. But if you have truly competitive depth, it, you know, it only makes your team that much tougher to beat. Now, Lynn, last season, you talked a lot about taking a look in the mirror and changing your approach in order to get over some of the humps your teams have been stuck on in the past. I know you sought advice from Stanford's Tara Vandeveer. Uh, where else did you look for help and advice and what changes did you make that you actually think were dif difference makers? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't do everything well, but I, I don't have much of an ego in terms of uh, I'll learn from anything and I'm a nerd at heart. And so you know, three years ago after the COVID year, we had a bad season in COVID, um, just like the rest of the world had a bad season. <laughs> uh, it was not a good time, but, uh, you know, it really affected our outcome on the court and our, our performance. And uh, so I had to look and say, you know, at the end of the day, I can blame COVID. I can blame injuries. I can blame whatever, but it's on me and I got to figure out what we need to be better at. And so I just did a hugely deep dive analytically in terms what makes a winning team win? It does, it, you know, play different styles, have different types of players, but why are these teams consistently elite? Um, and, you know, really did a nerd, I nerded out. And, uh, and then I asked other co and I found out some amazing things from that. Some mm -hmm. to where I changed how we kind of approach and quantify things from a basketball standpoint and what we value and what we really focus on. And then, you know, the last two years since doing that are, we've had a top five offense in the country, um, number one offense in the pac 12 and, you know, it, it's, it's working. And when players see that it's working, um, there's buy-in, right. And then, you know, from a, just a standpoint of how we run things, that's where I reached out to Tara Vanderveer, Corey Close at UCLA, Kelly Graves at, at uh, Oregon, and then my mentor, Gordy Presnell at Boise State. That's who I played for um, and just wanted the hard truth. Like, what do you, when you watch us play, when you compete against us, what do you tell your teams? What, what are my blind spots? What, like, what am I not seeing? And um, almost like a SWOT analysis of, of how we're doing. And um, it was 
incredible. And I, and you know, you know, you have true friends when they tell you the truth when they're honest. Uh, and, and so that's what I did. And I kind of stripped down. I, I never change how we do things, how we treat people, how I lead, but certainly the strategy and approach and how we do things. I've, I've really made some changes and it's been effective. We've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but what does it mean to you being able to go to, especially some of these women coaches where there aren't a lot of women that are head coaches. Um, it's highly competitive. Again, there's this idea that women in sports, whether it, you're reporting or playing or coaching, there can only be one. There can only be one that's good and all the rest are just kind of there. But to have them actually give you that positive feedback and be willing to help you raise your level. Yeah, I think that speaks to them. Uh, you know, they, uh, I think strong people, if they're confident, they want other people to do well, right? And, or successful people, if they're confident in what they do, you know, like Tara at Stanford, she's been tremendous with me. Uh, in terms of offering advice and, and mentorship. With that said, she's going to try to kick my butt every time we compete against her. Mm-hmm. Like she wants to beat me. Okay. And I think, and I love that. And I, I, I think that sometimes we can say that being a woman, you can't, you know, and I think women do that to them, to each other anyway, you beat each other down. Like, I don't know where that comes from, but I wish it wasn't the case. But I think if you're self-secure, uh, like Tara's not worried about her legacy. If, if we beat them, you know, like, so if, if my program is great, Tara, that doesn't take anything from Tara. And I think that is a lesson that all of us women can, can take a page from, you know, it doesn't like we've talked about yesterday in a staff meeting, it, it doesn't take anything away from a candle. If you light another flame, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, you know, so I have so much respect for them for being honest, for caring about me enough to share, you know, some tips and advice. And, um, you know, it's my job to listen. Uh, Speaking of kind of being a mentor, uh, there were a lot of great moments last year, but this one particular, particularly sticks out, even though it was rather painful too. Uh, you brought up earlier, Jenna Johnson had a chance to ice the sweet 16 for you guys at the line and she misses. Um, I think as a college coach, it's sometimes hard to find that balance of being tough and demanding excellence while also remembering a lot of your athletes are away from home for the first time in their lives and kind of needing that parental or friend-like support when things get hard. What was going through your mind in that moment as you were hugging Jenna on the bench? Yeah, that was tough. Um, I think, you know, with 10,000 people there and how many people watching and like none of that is in your mind in that moment. Um, In that moment, I felt for her because I love her so much and we have such a great connection. And I just kind of had mom instincts. Um, I've got kids and it just, I just felt for her. And so it was very organic. I just kind of went and put my arm around her uh, because I, I know her in such a competitor that she is and how hard she worked. Uh, that's a big moment for a 19 year old, you know? And, uh, I met what I said after the game. Like if you had told me Jenna Johnson at the line to, to, to secure it, I'd be like, we're winning. And, um, and I know if she gets in that situation again, that she's going to knock those down. And that was a really hard situation for her. People were brutal. Social media can be awful. 
Um, you know, she had to delete her social media and, you know, we were worried about her, but she's a tough, tough kid. Uh, but in that moment, I think, you know, I'm sure you've been a part of teams and you spend so much time together and you know each other so well that in those big moments, you're not thinking about implications or fans or anything. You're just in the trenches with your people. And that's kind of what happened. You also seem to have a really great support system within Utah athletics. I know you've been not shy about talking about the cues you've taken from Utah gymnastics, as far as trying to grow Utah women's basketball brand and get fans in the stands. Who else have you maybe talked to and gotten advice from? Yeah, I'm not shy. And you know, like I said, I I'll take advice and, and hints and, and help from anybody. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with wit uh, quite a bit and, you know, I, I think, what he has done here, um, I don't think people realize how lucky we are to have a football coach like that, uh, where his guys are good guys and there, there's not a lot of drama around that team. And yet we're top 10 and like, it's, it's impressive. Um, and, and the way, you know, from him, just kind of how they have identified, you know, Utah's blue collar, we're going to work hard and we're going to develop you. Uh, you come here as a three-star guy, you have a good chance of being drafted when you leave Utah, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's, I, that resonates with me. I'm very blue collar. Uh, I don't care about the the glitz and the glam and the splash and all of that. I just want to kick your butt. And I want to get players that want to work their tails off and we'll develop them and so that they can become pros if they want, but we're going to win along the way. So I've stolen a lot from him on recruiting. Mm -hmm. Uh that kind of thing. And definitely with gymnastics in terms of fan base and how they've kind of created this um, persona of the Red Rocks and just this niche in the Salt Lake City with that and kind of how can we generate that. Uh, and then, you know, Charmel Green and Mark Harlan have been amazing. Uh, Charmel, I'm sure you've interacted with her. Uh, you can't walk out of a meeting without from her with her without like wanting to go charge a mountain. Like she just has a way to motivate you. Uh, she believes in this place um, and she works very closely with me in our program. And then, you know, it's, it's incredible to have an athletic director that truly not, it's not just, uh, you know, lip service. He truly cares about women's sports. And if you look across the board, um, look at all of our women's sports, you know, everybody's doing well, everybody's doing better than, you know, and, that's a big reason, you know, Mark is a big reason for that. He's, he, it's not lip service and because he has to, or, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I have to do this or a necessary evil. Like he believes in it and it shows. And I think the results of how our, you know, softball, volleyball, track and field, um, soccer, like gymnastics, obviously we had a like, it's because of the top that trickles down. Okay, Lynn, I really appreciate your time today. But before I let you go, you've got to let the fans know, when is your first game at the Huntsman this year? So that fans can mark their calendars and make sure that they're there. Yes, and, and thank you for that uh, not-so-subtle promo. <laughs> Our first real game is uh, November 6th, um, which is a Monday, but that's the first day you can play games. Um, and then we'll play November 9th. We'll have a couple exhibitions before that, but... You know, right now, my charge is to sell season tickets. We've already sold more new season tickets for this year than we've ever sold total in the past. Uh, we're up to about 4,000 season tickets. Um, and 
you know, my goal is to create a home atmosphere that is comparative and or better than the Yukons or the Iowas or the all the, you know, and we can do that here. And if we can get that that fan base going, then our success is just going to snowball. And if you want a women's basketball championship team, uh, we got to fill that thing. And we showed we could do it. And now we just need to sustain it. So please go to utahtickets.com, get your women's basketball tickets. They're cheap. It's a great, uh, there, I think it's 25 bucks for a season ticket um, and, and bring a friend. And, and I, you know, we have a really high retention rate, people that come for the first time and then they think, oh, wow, this is awesome. And they come back. So that's my charge. Please buy a ticket, uh, come to games. Um, I think you'll love the product that we put on the floor. And, and I think you'll know, you, you'll recognize that each one of these young women loves the University of Utah. They love it and they're proud of it and they're here to stay. So that's, uh, please go to utahtickets.com and buy your season tickets. All right, guys, you got your marching orders from the head woman in charge, Lynn Roberts. Uh, and, and to be very, very honest, if you haven't checked out Utah women's basketball yet, I highly encourage you to do so this year. It's a fun brand of basketball and they will be really good again this year, as will the rest of the Pac-12. You, you will, will not be disappointed. There will be good games. Uh, that will do it for me today. Thank you for tuning in and until next time. And as always, go Utes. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.